You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? It is uh, a four-day week for me here at the uh, Nine Finger Chronicles compound, which is uh, the loft above my garage. Uh, this week is uh, first season turkey shotgun here in Iowa, and Friday, I think Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday is second season shotgun here in Iowa, and I am going to be doing what a responsible father should, and I'm going to be pulling my daughter out of school on Friday and taking her <laughs> taking her turkey hunting with me. And I'll be honest, she's freaking jacked about it. Uh, she Not so much about the, uh, the turkeys that we're going to be chasing and the gobbling and all that stuff, more about the bag full of snacks that uh, we're going to be carrying around with us as well. So... I really think, uh, I'm, I know that I'm going to have a good time and, uh, I hope, I, I just hope and pray that the birds are, uh, somewhat, co- uh, you know, uh, cooperative and, and, uh, allow me to get, uh, uh, get one within shooting range. That would be awesome. But as long as they're talking, as long as, uh, maybe she can see one strutting, I would love to put myself into a position to, to uh, kill a bird with her right between my legs, man. That, that would be awesome or, or sitting next to me or whatever. But that's what's on the agenda for this week. This episode is kind of a reflection of that. And although I won't be running and gunning as hard as I possibly can uh, out in the timber because I'll have a little tag team buddy with me, uh, this episode is about 
aggressive turkey hunting tactics and it's how I was raised and I'm talking with a returning guest Jonathan Payne uh, he was on I think a couple weeks ago where he talked about one of his uh, uh, deer hunts uh, this is turkey hunting and he kind of it sounds like he turkey hunts the same way that I turkey hunt like don't waste a lot of time call and move and if nothing answers or put yourself in the best position and if it doesn't work out flank them uh, go around them uh, try to cut them off somewhere else and just put pressure on them and keep going and keep going until they they spook or or uh, you got a bird on the ground and we go into a ton of details everything from roosting birds to uh, calling uh, calling strategies decoy strategies all that stuff uh, is covered in this uh, in this episode and i hope you guys enjoy it uh i think i'm just going to kind of keep it a quick intro just do me a a big favor go to itunes or wherever you download the nine finger uh, chronicles or the sportsman's nation and uh, do me a favor and and throw a five-star review my way for one reason uh so other people know that it's a good uh a good podcast everything is current you know what I mean? Like all the uh, all the reviews. I think the last review that I had, it's like people start to listen to it, they become accustomed to it, and then they don't leave reviews. So go go leave me a, a good review if possible. And if I guess if you if you think I suck, then <laughs> leave a shitty review or not, whatever. But uh, go do that. Follow on Instagram. Follow on Facebook, uh, and uh, leave a review subscribe to the rss feeds that you like and uh, that's a good starting point but before we get into the episode right we got to do a commercial and today's commercial is uh, a product that i feel confident in 100 percent confident in and that's wasp broadheads and wasp is one of those um they say that if you're not thinking about your gear and equipment then it's doing its job Uh, Just like a good pair of boots, if you're out hiking around and you're not thinking about your feet hurting, uh, the boots are doing their job. And I know for a fact that if I put myself in the right position and I practice and I train, and when I release that arrow, the first thing that's going to touch that animal is the broadhead, and I know it's going to destroy whatever it touches. Uh, And that is why I love broadheads, uh, wasp broadheads. I have the confidence in in that uh, a majority of their heads are made in America. They have an awesome group of people behind the brand and the products, and uh, they've been doing it for a long time. And uh, great blood trails, all that stuff, you know. And uh, that's why I I use them. And let's see, Jackhammer for the mechanicals and Boss for four blade for the. Uh, fixed blades those are my two favorite heads out of their lineup and if you want to save let's see here 20 percent then enter the discount code nine the number nine fingers 2020 i believe that is and if for some reason that doesn't work hit me up and i'll make sure you get uh, a more up-to-date one but it's nine fingers 2020 20 percent off that's a good deal and then we have our title sponsor vortex optics um these guys are doing great things man they have a great lineup of optics and uh, for really any price point, and it's quality through and through, right? So whether you want binocular spotting scopes, range finders, uh, red dots, rifle scopes, these guys do it. They do it well, and if you have a problem with the product or need to get educated on how to use your product, you call them up, and it is their goal to get you comfortable with their products. Like, 
they will help you out. I guarantee it. I, I know too many people at that company and uh, they are good people who want to see you succeed. And when when uh, they got it figured out, right? So when you succeed, then they succeed. And uh, that's that's a good way to think of, think of things. And if you're a dumbass like myself and you've, you're hard on your equipment, I've had to send my binoculars in, I think two times now. One, one I ran over my truck, I think. And the other one, a seal broke after I dropped it out of a tree stand. And I sent it back to them. They fixed it and sent it back to me free of charge. It's their VIP warranty. So take advantage of that, vortexoptics.com. Those are today's commercials. And now let's get into aggressive turkey hunting strategies with Jonathan Payne. Three, two, one. All right, it's that time of year. Uh, it's springtime. The gobbles are starting to sound off in the timber, and we're joined once again by Jonathan Payne. Jonathan, how are we doing? Doing pretty good, Dan. Just uh, recouping from my Tennessee trip. Yeah, how'd that turn out? Get stuff ready for it. turned out good. Um, we two and a half days on public. Uh, we got three birds on the ground. Oh, nice. And uh, it turned out real good. Awesome. The last time you were on the podcast, you uh, kind of shared the story of uh, – run and gun whitetail hunting um and you shared the story of this past this past uh um deer the season's deer hunt where you shot a really good buck from the ground so if uh, you're listening to this and you want to hear the whitetail story make sure you go and uh chat you know uh look for john jonathan's uh uh i guess it was like a hunter profile or uh, using water to access whitetails right i forget the, the title of it but uh, uh that was just a couple weeks ago but today, we're going to be talking about turkey hunting strategy, and we're going to get into a little bit more detail than what we have in the past talking about turkeys, because I think there actually is a little bit more to turkey hunting than actually just sitting in behind a decoy and calling and, and then just waiting for him to come and then shooting them. I think there's a little bit more to it, um, and I know you know some of these strategies are... are are weapon dependent, like if you're going to use a bow or if you're going to use a gun or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, so you just got back from Tennessee, right? You, you shot three, yep. you and your crew shot three birds in, in two days? Two and a half days. Two yep. and a half days. No, uh, yep. What were the birds, awesome. what were the birds doing? I mean, were they going, you know, full bore or were they still flocked up or what, what were they doing? They were still fucked up pretty bad. Uh, it was still real open, you know, open hardwoods with, uh, you know, some some briars and cedar thickets, but it was real open. Um, they would hammer early in the morning, but it seemed like as soon as they hit the ground, uh, between eight and nine, you were pretty much done. And the, the, the crazy thing is in the evenings, you'd go to roost them and, you would hear one gobble when they flew up. That was it. And I think I think it would just be the dominant bird saying, "Hey, we're over here." And uh, you you would go you'd go roost we'd go roost in the evening. Oh, I got one bird here, so we'd go get on it. And you get there in the morning, and they'd be everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so it it was it, it, I've never hunted them that early before, so it was kind of a a new thing. It was you know. It's always try good to try something new. Yeah, and it was it was exciting trying to figure them out. But we got lucky and we got we got three of them on the ground. 
Yeah. So that's one thing that I typically don't do. And a lot of it is because I got, you know, I've spent all day turkey hunting and then I, it's not like I want to go out again uh, and, and try to roost them. But is there, is there a method to roosting uh, a, a turkey? Yeah, there's, there's a couple, um, you know, you can hoot owl at them or you can coyote call at them. Uh, but what I like to do is I like to just get in the woods about an hour, uh, get on a ridge top and I just like to listen. A lot of times you can hear, you know, evident, but this past weekend, a lot of times they're not going to gobble their heads off. Yeah. Especially on public. You know, that's I hundred percent public, um, them birds are dealing with people. They're dealing with everything all day long. And the last thing they're going to want to do is let everything know where they're at. And, uh, so I, I like to just listen. And a lot of times you'll get that one, two, maybe three, uh, three gobbles. And, um, that's what I like to do, but you can hoot out coyote house. That's probably the most effective. If you're going to call uh hoot owl, Hoot out, in my opinion, hoot out is, you know, give and take sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, are you going into play? Like, how close are you getting? Are, do you have an idea of where they're going to roost? Do you have, like, from historical information? Or are you just kind of walking into the woods, setting up, and trying to get them to at least respond one time so you get an idea of where they're at? It's really terrain dependent. Um, If if, say you don't have any uh, knowledge of the area, uh, I'll look, I'll look for uh, a steep Creek drainage. And a lot of times um, they'll roost in the, you know, uh, a white, uh, white birch or some big mature uh, oaks. Those are what they're going to be roosting in so i'll look for those uh on onyx um or google earth google earth is the best for that uh or um i'll get on a field edge and i i'll kind of just walk real slow and um listen on 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 you know let flat ground um but a lot of what i hunt there's there's terrain to it so i'll just get on a little knob and I'll just sit there and listen, and then right before I think they go to bed, you know, they stick their head under their wing and they're just done. Um, I'll just uh, I'll make one call. I, I don't I don't like calling too much because I just yeah they're supposed to be dumb birds, but there's just something in me, you know, they're they're trying to survive day in and day out, and I don't want to give them any reason to uh, yeah be a you know yeah give them any heads up. I would say that they are a dumb bird, but they're antsy. And I think the fact that they're antsy and real nervous animals is one of the reasons why they they're, they make us can seem dumb sometimes. You know what I mean? Like any small yeah. movement or anything that kind of makes them nervous, they, they just skedaddle from that area. Yeah. Um, Expect you know, two year two year olds. You get into a good group of two year olds, you're gonna think they're the dumbest bird ever. Um, but a lot of times, like I said, you hear that one one or two gobbles in the evening. That's the one you're going after in the morning. Yeah. Usually, that's the dominant bird, and you're dealing with a bird that's got hens, 
or if it's later in the year, you're dealing with a bird that uh, is going to rely more on his his behavior, which is the hens come to him. Yeah, and so he's not going to play. He's not going to play that game. Yeah, and so you know, it's really just you know what type of bird you're you're working. Yeah. So when it comes to you know locating a root uh, a bird that's roosted, are they gobbling in the tree in your experience once they've flown up or? Are they on the ground and then gobble and then fly up? Um, it, a lot of times they'll gobble. Say say you get there an hour and a half before de- dark. Uh, you'll catch them gobbling to their roost tree. And it, uh, in my 50, 60 yards of their roost where they want to be, and they'll shut up. Okay. They'll kind of just, they'll finish eating, they'll finish doing whatever they need to do. They'll wait for other birds to get to them. And there's about a, in my opinion, 15 to 30 minute window where they're just, they're not going to say nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll fly up and then they'll gobble that one, two, three times. Yeah. Kind of, you know, Hey, I'm up here. Yeah. Are you responding to their gobbles at all? Let's say with like a hen call or are you just sticking to like a, a one hoot owl and then you're done? If he's gobbling, I know where he's at. I'm not saying nothing. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't want. Uh, like I said, I have public. I I don't want him to know I'm there, and I, I don't want other hunters to know he's there. So unless he gobbles, he could gobble one time. That would be be perfect. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm not. If, if he's gobbling, I'm not saying nothing. Hoot out him, nothing. I'm not letting him know. Gotcha. So let's say he doesn't, like, there's nothing responding when you're in the woods. Do you change the calls up? I mean, are you going for a hen or even a, a simulated gobble, or are you just strictly sticking to the owl call? I'm sticking, I'll, I'll stick to an owl or a coyote. Okay. Uh, owl. Gotcha. Um, but I don't overdo it. I'll do it once or twice, and that's it. I'm not sitting there, you know, for five minutes hoot owling every every five seconds right uh, if, if he's gonna if he's gonna gobble he's gonna gobble that first or second time right right all right so let's say uh let's say you've located some birds how do you set up on those birds the next morning after you've roosted them uh again that's terrain specific if uh, we're dealing with some uh steep terrain you know hilly terrain like we were in tennessee uh, I'll usually, the, the usually they'll be in the bottoms and I'll get, uh, about half, half to three quarters way up on the ridge and I'll get just out of sight. Uh, I think a lot of guys get too close and the birds know that they should be able to see something and they don't. And so that's why they don't go in their direction, Yeah. but I'll, 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 I'll take it real slow. And when I think. If I make another step, he's going to see me. That's where I'll set up. Okay. Uh, on, on an open field or uh, uh, flat train, I, I do the same thing. Um, I don't want him seeing me until he hits the ground. Gotcha. Type of thing. Yeah. Um, so th- that's how I do that. Gotcha. So are you trying to set up, you know, based off of where this roost tree is, where they're in the in the tree, do you is there, have you ever noticed any trends? Like as far as the terrain is concerned, do you like to set up above them 
thinking, you know, once they fly down, they're going to go up or once they fly down, they're going to go low. The bet, the best is at their level. Yeah. Um, on in, in steep terrain, they're not going to fly down into the bottom where it's dark, where they can't see really that good. They're either going to fly right at their level or they're going to fly above. Yeah. Um, in, in flat train, it's kind of the same thing. They're, they're not going to fly down through the woods to a spot that they haven't been able to see yet. Okay. Uh, they're going to either plop down right there close to where they can see in the tree or they're going to, uh, you know, coast a little bit, but they're, they're not going to go where they can't see from that tree. Right. Which is why I, I'm just, I'm just out of sight from them. Yeah. So but, that's one of those things yeah. where they're surveying the land before they're pitching down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Uh, they're moving back and forth on that tree, just looking around, seeing what's what's around. Yeah. Um, that's that's the thing with like, especially with decoys and uh, people even even calling with no decoys. That bird, they can tell. They're like a, a deer or anything else. They can tell where you're calling from. Yeah. And if they think or they know that they should be able to see you or. Uh, they can, you know, see you, they're not going to come. They're not, they're not going to fly down. You know, if you got a decoy, there's a decoy sitting there the whole time way before dark and it hasn't moved the whole time. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, I do a lot of in a position decoy. I think a lot of guys mess up on how they position their decoy. You know, the decoy's facing them, you know, there's no reason for them to go to that decoy. That, um, you know, if people would just think, you know, think, you know, that bird's up there analyzing the whole time what's going on. Yeah. And if he can't see it or if something's off, he's not going to come that way. Yeah. Or if that decoy is facing him, there's no reason for him to go to that decoy. Yeah. Uh, he's going to pop down and that decoy is coming this way. So what's the point of me going over this for them? Right. It's just survival. It's just survival instincts. Yeah. This is this is one thing that for every turkey that I've shot who pitched out of the tree and came right to my call and I shot them, right? There, there's the other, there's equal, if not more amount of times where they pitch out of the tree and they come in, but they're like at 70 yards, right, right outside of range, right? And... Yeah. Yep. And they just, they'll sit there and strut, they'll gobble, they'll drum, they'll, they'll do the whole thing, but they just won't come in that extra, you know, there's something there that they just don't like, whether, whether they're hend up or there's no hens at all, you know, whether I have a decoy there or whether there's no decoy at all, you know, it's like, okay, A, I can't see anything here. So why do I need to go over there? B, I see the decoy. They see me strutting. Why isn't this hen coming to me? Right. So, uh, I don't know, man. It's, and that's what I get frustrated in is when I, I, you know, I've had success in the past where it's basically, all right, six Oh five, they pitch down, boom, dead. Let's go eat breakfast. And then then there's, you know, six Oh five. And then he pit, he's out in front of me for the next two hours, just strutting and there's nothing I can do. Yeah. You know, it, a lot of times I think it, uh, it, it, it's, it depends on if you're dealing with, like I said, that two year old or you're dealing with that three or, or up bird. Yeah. 
them, them big old birds, you know, uh, naturally the hen is supposed to go to the gobbler. I don't, I mean, I'm yeah. sure that's a lot of people know that, but I think a lot of times when people go out hunting, it doesn't click in their, it, they don't remember it. They wonder why ain't that gobbler coming to me? Well, he's not supposed to. Right. And so, uh, I, I tried to do some things that cause him to come over there yeah. regardless of what his, his habits are or what he's, uh, natural his, uh, he's supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. All right. So before we get into like this next stage of the strategy, let's go back a second and talk about if you're walking into the, into the, uh, on a virgin set without knowing where the birds are roosted, uh, from the night before, right? You don't know. You're just walking into a piece of timber. So it's dark. You get out of your truck, you walk into the, you know, into the, onto the ground and, and it's time to start locating them. Uh, what's the first thing that you do? I'll, I'll get on a, a nice little ridge and um, I'll, I'll find some spots on the map where I think, you know, I think they should be roosted uh, or I think they might be. And I'll just stand there and listen. I won't, I won't move. I won't, I'll just stand there and listen. Yeah. Um, and you'll, you'll find out really quick if you got birds or not. Yeah. Um, I, I won't, I, I might hoot out. Like I said, I might hoot out once or twice. Um, and then go to a different spot. It, it all depends on how I feel about the spot. If, um, if I think it should be good, you know, I got a good, I got a good, uh, wheat field or something right there close by. And I know there should be turkeys in there or, it's just a feeling if I know there should be birds there, I'll just, I'll stay there and I'll just wait and listen. Uh, if, if I, if I go to a spot and I don't hear nothing, you know, it's, and it's getting kind of close to fly down time, I'll go and I'll, I'll check another spot out. Yeah. So how long uh, do you I'll, wait? I'll only, I'll... Go ahead. How long do you wait then to call for, for me? If it's one of those mornings where the sun's coming up, it, there's no clouds, it's like that perfect, you know, a little crisp in the air, and, and you know the turkeys are going to gobble at some point. Do you wait for them to gobble before you start to call, or do you do you do any type of calls before they start to gobble? If I'm going to hoot out, I'll, I'll hoot out at them. I, I won't wait. Um, but... Uh, that, that's usually what I'll do. And if they gobble, I won't call until I get set up on them. Okay. Um, I don't want them to know I'm there until, uh, you're, I'm you're there. in position. I'm to get, yeah. I'm in position. I, I don't, uh, too. If, if you, if you're stealthy enough and you, they don't know you're there, you haven't made a sound and you can get it slip in. Uh, they're not going to be, you know, they don't know anything's over there. And you make a couple of hand calls, you're just out of sight. That's going to give them more of a uh, push to go, go over there and see what, what's over there. Yeah. Um, now I, I, uh, I give it time, you know, when the whippoorwills, when they start making their noises, yeah. I, it's something I picked up when I, it's something I picked up on a long time ago. Um, when those start going off and say I give it five, 10 minutes and I don't hear nothing, usually I'll either hoot out or I'll go to a different spot. It, you know, yeah. um, 
when when they start hammering, that's when I think everything starts waking up. Yeah, and that's kind of that's similar to what I do. I mean, I I give it a little time, and and a lot of it depends on cloud cover for me. Uh, as when I I know that if it's going to be a bright sunny day, for some reason, I've just had more turkeys go crazy in the, on those days, which means I can be a little bit more aggressive with my calling than like on a, a windy day or uh, a day where it's um, uh, overcast or maybe even a, a little spitty rain or whatever. And it's one of those yep. things where then, I, then I'll be a little bit more conservative with my calling strategy after that, you know uh, I'm, I, I guess I want to say you're probably in the right when you say you won't, you won't call at them until, uh, you're set up on them. I'm kind of a dumbass. I love to hear gobbles. So I'll just call if they're responding, I'll call. And my, my thought process there is to hold their interest to where I'm setting up at. Right. If I'm going somewhere, I want to sound like whatever it is, is getting closer to them or they can follow me through that whole, you know, and most of the time I, I kick off with a hen, a hen call real light, real, you know, real soft, and then gradually get more aggressive. If I don't hear anything after a hen call, then I'll scream at them with like a, an owl and I don't have an, an official owl call. I'll just use my voice, you know, and, and do a hoo, 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 whatever. And I know that that one sucked, but, uh, there's that. And, uh, and if that doesn't work, then it's just off to the races at that point. Yeah. Um, are, are you talking about calling at them after you're set up or when you're set up? No, like, so let's say I, like I, I, I do the same thing that you do where I'll get on top of a ridge. I'll get in there quiet. Right. Then I just chill, maybe drink some coffee, uh, by the base of a tree, wait for the sun to come up. And then, you know, typically I like to wait for one. It doesn't matter where it's at. I'd like to hear one gobble, even if it's a mile away or wherever it's at. Then I know, okay, birds are starting. Then I'll start to call from that position, trying to locate something on the same property or close to me, right? And sometimes that takes a while because as you and me both know, some, not all birds are the same, right? So you know, let's say 500 yards, 600 yards down the, down the valley, there's birds going crazy. But, but what you're doing is you say, okay, I want to go set up on them. And then there's all these other birds in between you and the, the one that's gobbling. And then you bust them out. You know what I mean? And uh, that's something that I I've learned that I don't want to do. So I give it time to see if any other turkeys are responding before I push in on the bird that is gobbling. Right. Yeah, the the only time that I'll do that where I'll, I'll call and call and call is if he's got hens. Uh, and and the, the reasoning behind that is I want to tick that, that main hen off enough mm-hmm. where she's going to come over and want to fight. Investigate, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, just try to try to call the whole flock. I, I love hearing them gobble too, and uh, – my my perfect situation is I want to call I want to hen call once, and him hammer at me, kind of cut me off almost, and him know that I'm there, and then I'll shut up. All right. Uh, I use like I use a real soft trio, you know, nothing nothing loud, nothing cutting at him, just real soft. Yep, yep, you know, just yep. 
let him know I'm there and I'm, I'm kind of at a distance. And then if he, yeah, I make sure I'll, I'll keep doing it until he hammers me. Yeah. And I know that he's gobbling at me and then I'll shut up. Yeah. Now, if, if he's up on the roof, gobbling, 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 you know, after a, he, he initially, you know, knows that I'm there and I, I make contact with him every now and then, you know, every third, fourth, fifth gobble that he gobbles, I'll call back at him. I'll, I'll try to keep his interest then. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times it depends on the temperament of the bird. If he gobbles, you know, if, if I know he's there and he gobbles once, I hen call at him, let him know, Hey, there's a hen over here. And he hammers me. If that's all he says, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I can, I can tell you a ton of stories where I've killed big old mature birds where that's the case. I'll set up, I'll roost him the night before I'll set up, uh, he'll gobble, I'll tree yelp, and I won't see him again until he's right. And I won't even, I might hear a spit in a drum until he's right in front of my decoy and he's dead. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's my preferred. I love sniping, sniping things. I love kind of, you know, him not knowing he, I'm there until he's flopping on the ground. Yeah. That's just, that gets me, that, to me, that gets me, you know, it gets me off a little bit more than, you know, I love hearing them gobble too, but I hunt, you know, like I said, public and I just, yeah. you get everybody in the world. I could tell you a hundred stories too about them gobbling their heads off and you get every hunter in the woods after you. Oh yeah. Um, All, everybody starts to zero in on the same bird. Been there. Yeah, exactly. But I, I'm, I'm with you on there. If he's gobbling, I will. Like, like I said, every fourth, there's not a certain number of gobbles, but every fourth, fifth gobble, I'll just soft call to him. Just, Hey, I'm, I'm still over here. I'm still interested. Yeah. And, you know, uh, let him know I'm still there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so then you get set up, right? Are you running decoys at all? Usually I'll, it, it, it usually depends on the year, uh, the time of year early Early, I'm I usually I'm using a Jake and a couple hens, um, and then later on in the year I'll use either just one Jake or I'll use a single hen. Uh, I won't run as many, but later in the year I'll use just one. But you, it early early multiple late once one single. Gotcha. Okay, and then uh, so you sit down. And the, you know, you're set up, whether you're using decoys, how do you set up your decoys? I always set them up uh, where I want to shoot the bird, where the best shot would be. And I always set them up facing away from the bird, going, going where I want the bird. I kind of position them like how I want, you know, right. My shooting lanes are, and I'll set them up where I want the bird to come from and kind of, you know, he's going to want to get in front of that bird and make that bird be able to see him. So yeah. you can manipulate them on how, how they move through there. But usually it's, it's, uh, it's fairly close, you know, 15, 20 yards maybe. Okay. And uh, it, it's always facing away from the bird. Gotcha. Uh, now, when you say facing away from the bird, does that mean it's facing towards you? Uh, it's kind of closer. I, I love a kind of quarter to me. Okay, so it's almost looking. Of, it's almost looking over one of your shoulders. 
Exactly. And it, you get them, you get them, uh, you get them coming sideways. Uh, you don't get them coming straight on. Uh, you know, a lot of times they're strutting. Uh, and so if you get them coming sideways, you, 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 I, in my, my mind, if you're bow hunting or if you're, you, you get a little bit better shot in my mind, you know, you key key at them, they're throwing their head up. Uh, you just, in my, in, in my eyes, in my mind, I just, I have a little bit better angle yeah. at them setting them up that way. Yeah. And, 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 um, your, your shot opportunities are, are better than coming straight in or, you know, straight, you got a little bit more, uh, openings. Yeah. So, uh, so how far are you sitting away from your decoys? Between 15 and 20 yards. Yeah. Okay. So, so not necessarily close, not necessarily, uh, and, and you're using for the most part, a shotgun. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I shoot a pretty, I shoot a pretty tight wad it, for that reason. Um, it, 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 too, it would depend on my pattern. If I'm shooting like an open cylinder with no, you know, tight wad, uh, shell or something like that, I would shoot you a lot closer, like under 10 or under. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm shooting like a softball size. You know, if I if I had it at ten yards, the soft it would I would be shooting a softball at it okay. at ten yards, and I just I just I set them up that far just to kind of uh, improve my chances. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right, so once you're actually sitting down on the ground and you're set up, all right, the bird's still in the tree. How are you? What's your calling sequence like at that point? Well, I, I'm sitting there, the bird gobbles, I'll give him a real soft tree yelp, you know, yelp, 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 real, real soft, real faint. Uh, I don't want him to think I'm close, uh, but I want to, I want to be loud enough where he can hear me. And I'll just continue to do that until he initiate or he, I know that he's heard me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then at that point, if he is responding to your call, are you continuously calling or are you shutting up and just hoping he comes in? If, if he's by himself or say he's got a couple of jakes with him, uh, I'll, I'll call if, if he's hammering and I, he's got a couple of jakes or he's by himself, I'll call, I'll tree up every four or five times. If I, if I know he's still in the tree, uh, if he's got hens and he's hammering, I'm hammer. I'm hammering. Yeah. Uh, if, if he's got hens, you'll hear him. Yeah. You'll hear those hens. Yeah. Uh, if, if I hear them hens, I'm hammering, I'm getting him excited. I'm getting him, uh, excited when to come to me. And I'm just, I'm trying to tick that hen off. Like yeah. who the heck is she talking to my, you know, my guy. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, there's a lot of times too, I'll, I won't even worry about if that hen's calling to me and that gobbler's, you know, he's kind of him hauling, you know, he'll gobble every little bit, but that hen's really calling. I'll, I'll hammer the hen. Uh, and I'll just mock her, whatever she, how, whatever her, her sequence is, whatever her intensity level is, I'll just match it. Yeah. If she goes up, I'll go up. If she goes down, I'll go down. It, it's really dependent on the, on, on the hen. hen at that uh, point. Yeah. <laughs> with that strategy. Um, but, uh, like I said, if he's by himself, I'm just giving him some real soft tree yelps until he initiates and he, he hammers and hears me. And then I'm, I'm shutting up until he hits the ground. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
Now he's on the ground. And this is kind of where it gets tricky sometimes, right? Obviously, we have the best right. case scenario. Uh, he hits the ground. Uh, he gobbles. You maybe do a, a, a respond, and then he comes in and you shoot him, right? Those are those are the the perfect. That's the perfect scenario. But right. now he now he flies down, and he's he shuts off, right? What's what's the next step after you sit there? Maybe you call a little bit. Um, he, he does not respond. He's not responding anymore. If, if, if I'm sitting there and he, you know, he, I know he should be on the ground. He shuts up. I'll give it, I'll give it some time. Um, cause there's a lot of times I've called and, you know, I initiate that they hit the ground. They don't say a single thing until they're right in front of me. Yeah. Uh, if you're hunting pressured birds, a lot of times that's the case. They're not going to gobble until they're on you <clears throat> until the, until they're right where they should be able to hear that bird or see that bird. Uh, they're, they're not going to make a peep. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll give it some time. I'll usually give it about an hour. I know that's a long time. Uh, but I'll give it till about seven o'clock cause they're just going to work. And a lot of times all you're going to hear is a spit in a drum. Um, 90 I I would this sounds weird but I would bet 90% of the time that's what you're going to hear you're not going to hear him hammering yeah um when he hits the ground on with pressured birds yeah now if you're hunting you're hunting a public a private piece yeah he's probably going to be hammering hey you know where you at da 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 yeah um but I'm talking about pressured birds you're going to you know I'm coming or you know I'm over here yeah, uh, and if they're that if they're that close, you're in the you're in the game. You're ready to play. Yeah, and I'll just give them real soft. You know, I don't want them to know. Hey, I'm bam right here, but I'll just give them some real soft yelps and just let them work his way in. A lot of times when they're spitting and drumming like that, they're on their way. Yeah, is there is there <clears throat> but, any change to that strategy if it's windy? And, you know, obviously the, the call, the wind is going to disrupt the call and whether they hear you or you're having trouble hearing them or because sometimes, and I don't know what your experience is in this, if it's kind of a windy day and they turn around and gobble and they're like, you don't know this, but it, it can be hard to hear them as even if they turn around then again and, and gobble. So you may not hear it. And then that direction is facing towards you. Right. And then you're like, okay, well, there they are. They turn around on a windy day and that gobble could be lost. And even though they're still there, you just didn't hear it. Yeah. That's a tricky thing. Uh, On on windy days, I kind of like setting up in a a little bit more open, uh, open area or where I can see a little bit because you're right. That's tricky because you don't know really what's a a bird that's gobbling straight at you is, you know, like you said, you can hear if he's facing away, he could sound like he's a hundred yards further down. Yeah. It just, it really throws your hearing off. So I I like to set up in a little bit. If it's a wind, windy, nasty day, and the birds are going to want to do that any, any, anyways. They're going to want to be in a, a more open or open area, or you know, a field edge, something. Especially if it's raining, get out there and dry off. You know, yeah. Uh, or if it's been raining all night, uh, but they're going to want to see just like you are. Yeah. And 
that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll, uh, my setup, my setup will determine that, or the weather will can determine my setup. If I know it's going to be windy, rainy, I'll set up on them more open. Right. Uh, maybe even if it's a little bit further away. Uh, but if, if it's a cool, calm morning, uh, I'll set up as close as I can, uh, without him seeing me. I got you. All right. And then, uh, all right. So he's on the ground, he's starting to work in and let's say now you see him, right. Whether he is or is not without a hen or other turkeys, but now he's held up. He just doesn't want to come that, that next 15, 20 yards. And he's just, he's hung up. What's your calling strategy at that point? I'll try to get him fired up. If, if he's hung up where he don't like, that's as far as he's going to come. I'll, 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 I'll change a little bit. I'll try to get him. I'll start cutting at him, try to get him fired up where he, he starts gobbling a lot, trying to get him real excited. Try to get him, try to get him to finish. Yeah. Uh, if, if he's got hands, a lot of times it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, that, that hand is what, uh, is dictating is going to matter. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, you could call and make him gobble a hundred times in a minute, but if that hand don't want to come over there, uh, there, he's not coming. Yeah. Um, so uh, if he's by himself I'll, I'll, and he's hung up and he's like, I'm not coming any further. I'm going to try to like get him. Hey, you really want to come over here. You know, I'm, I'm excited. I want to be with you. You really need to come over here. Um, because maybe, maybe you know, that hen doesn't, you know, for some reason that hen doesn't want to be where he's at. That hen wants to be where she's at. Yeah. And so try to just throw that in my head. I, she really wants to be over there. I'll go over there with her. Yeah. Um, that happens sometimes. Yeah. But uh, I just I just try, try to cut, try to fire him up, try to get him gobbling real hard again. Yeah. Uh, or try to get him hammering and then uh, – Hopefully that'll do the trick. Yeah. Just get him to come that those next, you know, that next little bit. Yeah. 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 All right. So whether he shows up and eventually maybe he disappears because he's hung up or he hits the ground and he doesn't gobble at all. Uh, and he just, he's probably with hens or whatever. And he, he goes the other direction. Right. How long do uh-huh. you give it before you get up? And start moving. Start the running gun process. If he hits the ground and I know instantly he's going the other way, I'll give it like say fifteen minutes after they hit the ground and he's go, he's consistently going the other way. I'm up and I'm swinging around. Yeah. I, I that that I do not wait. I I go because they have it in their mind where they want to be. Right. They that hen has it in her mind where she wants to be. So you you can't wait. You can't hesitate. Yeah. If if they hit the ground and they're gone, you better be you better be gone too. Yeah. Um if they hit the ground and they hesitate and they're kind of what are we going to do today? That's when I kind of give it some time. Uh but it's it's, it's going to be either or. They're either, you know, obviously, uh they're going to hit the ground, they're just going to kind of loaf around, you know, this is where we're going to be for a while or they're going to go somewhere. Yeah. But if they're moving, you better you better be around them. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Once they hit the ground, do you think they they are an animal of routine? Where okay, well, we know this ag field is up here. We're going to go to the ag field, or we know that there's this open ridge. We're going to hit this this open ridge. 
do you think that they they have a routine where they want they want to do the same thing every day, or are they more of a random animal? I th- I think they have loops. I think they they want to do the same thing every day. Yeah. If if they got food, if they got food, water, safety, um, why would you change? Yeah. Um, I think the only thing, the only way uh, they change is if the food source or the water is gone. Yeah. Then they'll change slightly. Uh, or pressure. But I mean, how, the pressure. Yeah. yeah, something like that. They'll change. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, th- a lot of times they're just like a deer. They're just they have a loop. They have a routine, and that's it's survival and that that's what they're going to do right all right so the next question uh and we're going to take a little sidebar here let's say you go and you spook a bird right have you noticed let's just say or a group of birds right have you noticed that the the timber that you spooked them in um i guess my question is how long do you think it takes to for a bird to recover to where he goes back to being active and gobbling again in that particular spot, like say you spook a bird, you shoot a shoot miss, or well, you, a, sh- you... a shot and a miss is kind of something different because that's a real big okay. spook. You know what I mean? Let's just right. say you crest a hill, he sees you, and he takes off. You better you better move around him. Yeah, he, he's not coming. Yeah, uh, and, and them turkeys, did they hear them putts? They're they're not they're not. It's like a deer blowing through the woods. They're not. If, if if they clear the area, they're you're get up and move. Don't yeah. stay. Yeah, you're wasting your time. Right, right. Okay, so, but at that point, are you trying to like go all the way around them and try to get in front of them, and and so they're getting spooked back to you eventually, and then you set up and try to call again, or do you just write that bird off and go find another one? No, I it, I'll try to get in front of them and start try to work them again from a different angle. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to leave birds to go find other birds. If, uh, if you can, if you spook them and they're going in a direction where you can get around them, if you can get around them, um, and, uh, they're not that smart where they, Oh, there's another hunter over here. Yeah. Um, if, 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 if you bust the flock, you know, I use this a lot in the fall. If you bust the flock and you know, they're running, they're scared. If you, if, they're going to want to group back up. So yeah. you're calling, they're going to want to, they're going to want to get back with other turkeys. That's safety too. They get more, the more turkeys, the, the better. So swing around them and you call the same birds, same birds in. Okay. All right. Has that worked for you a lot? Because in the past, that's minimal success for me. Uh, it, it depends on um, the time of year. If they can see throughout the woods, uh, like say right now, uh, it's going to be tough, Yeah. but if you got some foliage where they can't, for some reason, I don't think they like the early, early season. That's why I think they're, you know, they're flocked up so much. Um, it, I, I, I can't explain it. Um, just in my experience, I just, I don't think they like the open woods. Um, but later in the year, yeah, I've had really good success. Even I've shot shot at some and missed, and within 30 minutes, I'm back on them and they're hammering at me again. Yeah. Um, it, it it's really year dependent or the time of year. Okay. Now, 
you know, for me, once I shoot at them and let's just say I miss, uh, and they run away. I, me personally, I, I write that bird off. He's gone and it's going to take a long time for him to recover, uh, in order for me to try to locate him again. I, I typically just pack up and I go a mile down the road or onto the way on the other side of the property. And I set up and I try to locate a bird again. That's just what I do on a big, a, a big intrusion like that. What do you try to stick with those birds even after the gun goes off? <clears throat> I, I'll, I'll sit there for a little bit and I, I'll just listen. And a lot of times he'll tell you how, you know, a gunshot, you would think, Oh my God, that bird's not going to make a noise the rest of the day. Um, but I've, I've witnessed and I've experienced a lot of times, uh, that they'll go off and maybe 30 minutes later after you miss, say you miss, they'll start hammering again. Yeah. Um, it, it, so I'll just, I, I won't write them off until, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. If I don't hear, if it's dead silent after 30 minutes, you know, to an hour, then yeah, I'm going somewhere else. If yeah. I, if, if I don't hear nothing. Yeah. Yeah. We've, and I think for me, a lot of that depends on time of day, right? If it's, if it's right in the morning, right off the roost, you shoot, it echoes down. Everything's, you know, quiets down for a little bit. A lot of times, they rebound easier as opposed to let's say the you finally get an opportunity at noon or something like that. It's the heat, you know, it's it's middle of the day, and and uh, then after that, like for me, they just stop. They're they're done, and unless you can get them to gobble, you're hard pressed to locate them again. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That's a lot of times when I would move around them. Like if I if I could get around on the other side of them, uh, that that's when I would do that. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Uh, early in the morning, you know, like you know, like if they didn't have their coffee, like a lot of us, their foggy mind, something happens, you know. But later in the in the middle of the day, you know, they're they're woke up, they're more acute. Um, and something like that happens, yeah, they're not going to put up with it. I would agree with you on that. Yeah. So, okay. Now, outside of that, um, let's say you you're not you don't you don't get the opportunity. You get out to the timber late. They're already on the ground. Uh, it's let's say eleven o'clock or something like that, midday, and you go to a new piece of property and you're trying to locate one. Um, walk us through how you walk into the timber or onto this, this new property, try to locate a bird midday calling strategies, decoy strategies, the whole thing. Uh, say, say I hunt in the morning. I don't see, I don't hear, I don't do any good. I'll, I'll find a, a, uh, a note, a flat. I'll find a good piece where I think they're going to be loafing, uh, feeding, um, that could be on an oak flat or it could be in, uh, like we had in Tennessee, they were in the bottoms a lot where it was really getting green grass. You know, the water was down there. Um, that's just where the, the green up was starting, uh, last week. Um, I just, I, I'll go to spots where I think they're going to be feeding, uh, or lo- loafing around, uh, on a hot, a hot sunny day. Um, I'll go where I think they're going to where shade is like uh, a cedar edge. Uh, I'll work along a cedar edge. I won't, I won't, I won't go 
flopping out through the middle of the open hardwoods and try to uh, try to um, find them. I'll, I'll work edges just like if I'm deer hunting. Uh, I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb, uh, but I'll, I'll work the edges and I'll look I'll look for scratchings. If I find some real fresh sign, uh, usually I'll set up on that and uh, make some calls and I'll just see if I can get one to answer. Yeah. Uh, but usually I'm looking for where I, loafing spots, uh, a, a flat, an oak flat, oak, uh, acorn flat, or um, a corner of a field where the you know there's some good wheat, um, or uh, you know a creek bottom where I know there's some you know, if it's early in the year where there's some green grass coming up. Uh, it it's usually food, food dependent by then. Yeah. I, I'm really just where, where I think they would be feeding. Okay. And, uh, I guess some people call those strut zones, right? Where they, you know, they, they go and they, they, they just sit there and strut all day while the hens are, are, are feeding. Even, even some of the times where they don't have hens, right? They're going someplace just to, you know, they're, they're basically peacocking and they're trying to show off for something to see them. Right. Yeah. 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 In my experience, uh, that that strut time, I, I think that's you know nine to eleven, um, and I really think uh, that you know say, say eleven on into the afternoon, I think they're moving trying to find birds. I don't I don't think they're really strutting. I don't think they're really um, you know doing uh, anything like that. I think they're trying to find other birds, you know, they'll, that's when you're really going to, I think you're going to hear your, uh, you know, a single gobble, you know, going through the woods. Yeah. Um, you know, you hear a gobble on this one point and then five minutes later you hear him a hundred yards from there and he just working through the woods. Yeah. Um, uh, that can be a lot of fun too. That a lot of times then I'll just, just set up on signs, say I get some good, good fresh scratching. I'll just sit there and I'll just wait. Yeah. Um, because they're they're looking they, and they they move they move a lot yeah when the, when that that middle part of the day noon noon to say four or five o'clock they're 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 moving yeah how often do you let's let's say you don't have any luck throughout the day how often do you go back to let's say like a roost tree or a roost ridge where they you know they've historically been in the past do you set up and try to catch them coming back to uh a roost tree yeah i'll do that i I like to get in early because you never know if there's a lot of food you know if they're not move having to move a long ways say their loop you know you have knowledge and of them and their loop isn't that big i'll get in there early uh say a couple hours before fly up yeah and i'll I'll just i'll I'll wait because i don't i don't want to spook anything um, I don't want anything to know I'm there. So I'll get, I'll get in there a little bit early. Um, and, uh, I won't set up right on the roost. I'll set up maybe 50 to 75 yards from it. Okay. Uh, in the, in the direction and I'll face the direction I think they're coming from. I won't face the roost tree, but I'll get, I'll get in between them and the roost tree. Okay. One of the, uh, one of the most fun, uh, fun hunts I ever had was uh the, this one year i took i had an ex um an ex-girlfriend and i took her nephew out hunting and we killed a bird at like seven something 
in the in the evening uh and it we worked him for hours we could see him out in this crp field uh strutting back and forth with some other toms and and he was like 500 yards away and we'd call and he'd respond and it took him like an hour to two hours to work work his way in and we eventually shot him i think coming back to roost because we got between him and the timber and he was eventually worked his way in and, and that was a real fun hunt that we were just sitting there going oh like we were just waiting and waiting and waiting but we could see it so it made it a little bit more fun and, and enjoyable but uh, those evening hunts and although they're they're not as vocal can still can still be fun oh yeah they they can be if you got a good high pressure day and the birds are at and everything's active they can be the best hunts they can be you know because they're they're getting frisky they're you know they're it's everything's cooling especially if it's a hot day everything's cooling down you know if you're hot hot and then you get cool i mean you get a little bit frisky and yeah they can it can be the best hunt of the day is right there that hour before they go flying up. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So is there anything else that we haven't talked about as far as strategy is concerned? I know that, uh, um, obviously there's a thousand different scenarios we could sit here and talk about, but I, I think we, we did a good job of covering, you know, a handful of the most common, uh, scenarios, uh, um, that, that there are. Yeah, there's 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 two that I, I really wanted to touch on. Yeah. One is if if you hoot owl and the bird gobbles, there's no reason to hoot owl at him again. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you hoot owl and you come, you get in close. Like this is a real sore subject because I just dealt with this in Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> but if, if you hoot owl and the bird gobbles, you know where that bird is. There's no reason to do it again. There's no reason to hurt any closer and then do it again. Um, so I, I think people need to be a little bit more sparingly on uh, their hooting. You know, that, it, that's a predator. That's, you know, or a coyote. How that, those are predator animals that if you're going to work that bird up, making them nervous if you're getting in closer and closer and closer. Um, so I think people really need to be cautious on how much they use uh, those type of calls. Um, if if you do that and then all of a sudden you're setting up and then you start hand calling from that position, that bird, I'm sorry, I don't mean to burst in your bubbles, but that bird's not going to come to you. Yeah, they're just they're not the brightest, but they're smart enough and they're their number one thing is survival, and they're not they're not going to play that game. Yeah, and I think uh, what do the what do people call that a a shock gobble? Yeah, they're yeah. they're shocking them, and and like I said, I shocking them that's not you're not a pre, you know use some kind of non-predator call to to shock them if you're doing that yeah i just i'm precautionary i don't want to keep shocking them as i'm going yeah. in all i need to do is hear that bird gobble one time I, I think people on the roost i think people want to hear them gobble too much yeah um when they're on the tree you only need to hear them gobble one time yeah uh when you're moving in on them like that right one thing that we didn't talk about was like midday predator calls uh, or calls. I um, In the past, I've used a crow call a, as a locator yep. or an owl call as a locator. Um, how often do you get responses using one of those calls, let's say, in the afternoon? Uh, it, it, it depends on how the, the type of day. 
you get a high a high pressure day where everything's you know that you can get a good. It, it really depends on that. Um, and two on that, I'm I'm doing it once or twice, and I'm moving to a different spot. If yeah. they don't do it the first or second time, I'm not sitting in one spot crow calling for an hour. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That uh, makes I'm just, sense. I'm hitting it. I think I think people overcall with everything, not just hand calls or gobble calls or whatever kind of call you're using. Either do it once or twice. If they haven't responded by then, go go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I can remember um, when I I used to think that turkey hunting was a lot like deer hunting, and I can remember when my uncle was teaching me how how to deer hunt or excuse me how to turkey hunt. Um, I was under the impression that you had to get out there real early in the pitch black stand in the timber just wait around uh and and you know get out there and and be quiet and and, uh, we pull up to this place one time and i I go to reach for the door handle and he's like just hang on a second and he lights up a cigarette and drinks his coffee and (laughs) and windows are down so he can hear him in the distance we're we're already hearing turkeys you know going off and i'm just like hey man, we got to go. We get like, we got to go. He's like, nah, just relax. Just relax. And, uh, rolls the window up, puts a cigarette out, finishes his coffee, takes a piss. And I shut my door real quiet and he slams that son of a gun as hard as he can. And then like two birds gobbled down in this uh, valley below us. And he's like, that's where we're going. And we shot one of those toms that, that morning. So it's crazy how, how I guess that shot cobble that sometimes can be you know, I don't know, very effective. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about, there's a spot that I hunt down in this river bottom. It's got a train uh, that goes along that river bottom and I never have to locate them. I mean, uh, <laughs> the train does it for you. Huh? Uh, around five, around five o'clock every morning, that train will come through. Uh, and then about five thirty, it's about every 30 minutes, the train will come through. And that it's the same thing. They'll think they'll, they'll light up when that train's coming through and hitting that whistle. There's a little town right there close. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, yeah. People, people, I think need to be a little bit smart with it. If they're doing it on their own, you know, out in the middle of the woods trying to shock them. Yeah. You only need to do it once or twice. Yeah. Uh, if you want to hear that bird gobble, let make sure he's on the ground when you're, when right. you're, uh, wanting to hear him gobble. Don't, don't hammer him on the well, on the limb. Yeah. All right. Uh, so especially with predator calls. Yeah. So pre- don't move in using predator calls. Locate them and then either switch to a turkey call or just shut up. Basically. Um, right. There was another thing that you wanted to bring up. D- decoys and decoy setups. Yeah. Um, or early, I think I think people get uh, they poo poo on decoy decoys or I think they. Uh, they don't like them because they don't use them properly. I think if, if you really understood and, and analyzed positioning and behavior, uh, decoys are very, very effective. Uh, early in the year, uh, I'll, I'll use a flock. I'll use multiple decoys. Uh, I'll use a smaller strutter, a jake, and a couple hens, and I'll position them. I always like position of the decoy is number one in my mind. I always position them facing away uh, or quartering away from where the bird is coming or where I expect them to come from and uh, causing that bird to come once want to swing around. Hey, look at me. I'm right. You know? Uh, and then uh, later in the year, I like to switch to either 
if it's late, late, I, a single hand. But I, here in recent years, I found myself more and more just taking uh, a jig decoy. I use uh, I use Dave Smith uh, hands, and then I use an Avian X uh, Jake. Uh, I think quality of decoy is is real key. Them higher end decoys, yeah, it sucks paying that much, but. Uh, if if you, if you buy once, those things are gonna last you forever. If you buy if you buy good quality ones, yeah. And I, they really do. Uh, the the body position, it's a, uh, it's I forget, it's an H, HDR uh, Jake or something that uh, it's something like that that Avian X makes. It's HD something, but the body position on that thing, um, I found myself over the last couple of years. A lot of times, that's the only thing I take, and my strategy behind that is. If if that gobbler sees that Jake, he doesn't. He knows that there's uh, if there's possibly a hen there. He wants to get there and show off for that hen instead of you know uh, instead of uh, letting that Jake have you know if that Jake's there, there's possibly a hen there. So he wants to get there. Hey, you know I'm right here. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it just it, it did plays on their behavior a little bit better, I think, than just a single hand. If the hen's there uh, and he sees the hen, he can strut. And if the, he sees the hen, the hen sees him, the hen should go to her, him, right? Yeah. And so if, if he sees just a single Jake and in his mind, oh, there could be a hen there, but that hen don't see me, he puts in his mind, hey, I need to get over there to where I can try to see that hen can see me, where you know, so he's going to go where that Jake's at. And it yeah. just it, it plays on their behavior a little bit, and uh, I I that's a killer decoy. I've shot, you know, numerous birds here in the recent years just using that single Jake, and I, I it just I, I I never go in the woods without it. It's like my Express American Express card. I just that's your go-to. Um, that's my go-to. I I regardless if if I think I'm going to use decoys or not, I'm using that Jake. I gotcha. Uh, uh, yeah. And two, two especially if if, if I'm kind of open hunting a little bit open opener woods or opener open terrain, um, he's gonna want to fight that Jake. He's gonna want to knock that. He's so his focus is gonna be on that Jake. Yeah. And if I gotta move or if I gotta if if I'm kind of in the open where I gotta set up and kind of open, it kind of takes the attention off of me. Right. Uh, it's kind of a dual thing. It kind of just you know. Hey, look at that Jake and you can get, there's multiple times where I, I, I've been able to rise up, you know, say I'm too far on the tree and I need to move a little bit or I you know, had to swing on him or something. And that the gobbler never even knows I'm there. And yeah. so, uh, I, I think if, if people, if they studied and they, uh, they analyzed on, uh, a little bit on how to use decoys, um and and got some better high-end decoys yeah i know the price sucks but they're worth it trust me yeah <laughs> it's funny you say that because i'm on the complete opposite end of the spectrum one time <laughs> I, <laughs> one time i was uh i pulled into this uh uh i don't know this this field and it was a it was combined but it still had the long the long uh stubs on the bottom and a black tra- uh-huh. a, tr- a black trash bag had blown into the field and got stuck on one of those corn uh, stalks, and the wind was hitting it just right where it was puff it was puffed up a little bit, and 
a tom turkey was strutting circles around it. Not no joke, <laughs> no joke. And then uh, and I told this story on uh, the last hunting gear podcast, but uh, um, back in the white knuckle production days, I, I was filming Todd. Uh, he uh, we had he had this really big tom strutting back in one of his food plots, and we found a hen decoy that had been hit by a lawnmower and there was an ant's nest in it. And we put an arrow in the ground, stuck that, that jalopy of a, uh, of a decoy on that arrow and the wind was hitting it just right. So it would move a little bit. And eventually that, that decoy, that Turkey came in, he shot it. And it was like, at the time it was the world record, atypical uh, Turkey for with an art with archery yeah, I remember, tackle. I remember that. Yeah, so yeah. So yeah. I tell yeah, you I remember what him tells some stories about that. Yeah, the good ones, the good ones work and guess what? The shitty ones work too. So Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it my, my thought, my theory on that and using the higher end decoys, you're 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 less likely to have them like stop Hold and up. be like yeah. what the heck is that? Yeah. Really? Uh it you know you, that that's any, there's lots of times anything can work. Just that you tell stories like that and just like right. how the heck? Uh, I'm I'm just trying to put the odds in my favor yeah. uh, as much as I can. That's fair. And them them ultra realistic decoys. If, if you're especially if you you're hunting big mature birds, uh, um, they just yeah they're they're a have to yeah for sure for sure. Well, I tell you what, man, I, I really appreciate you taking time once again out of your day to hop on and uh, and talk turkeys with me. I appreciate it, man. I, uh, it's always a good time. Uh, uh, hopefully we can do it again. Uh, I got, got a few more legs in my turkey tour. Uh, like I said, Tennessee was a success, success, and I got a couple more trips. So uh, uh, if nothing else, we can get down at the end of the season and, and talk some more turkeys or talk talk some uh, whitetails coming up but yeah. i i appreciate the opportunity yeah i'll tell you this and the way the weather's looking for me one of my favorite other favorite things to do is look for mushrooms so i think this year turkey season and mushroom season are actually gonna probably line up fairly well with each other and uh i might be getting out into the woods right in the morning trying to shoot a turkey and then going and looking for mushrooms uh after you know, after the birds shut up, there ain't nothing wrong with that. I've I've done that. Uh, here in Missouri, a lot of times May, that's a good time to do it. Um, yeah, you 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 you're so worn down. You you, you don't want a turkey on all day, so you, you get up and yeah, never never bad looking around for morels. Absolutely. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Jonathan for taking time out of his day to talk turkeys with us. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. And I am going to say I'm sending good vibes out into the universe and into the turkey woods across this great nation of ours. And hopefully those good vibes hit you. Hopefully you find success. Hopefully the birds are gobbling like bananas uh, when you get into the timber. And I'll tell you what, man, uh, uh, good vibes in, good vibes out. And we'll talk to you next time.